Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. In this episode 256, Your Urban Legends, number 56. Oh, look at that. Guys, it's the spookiest story we've ever told. And um, normally we don't like open up with a content warning. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are walking alone in a German forest, if you are uh, walking alone on like the windswept plains or uh, like home from the bus stop, and if you were to like narrate your story back to us in an email, and if we would yell at you, don't do something spooky right now. Don't listen to this episode right now. It's very spooky, guys. Very spooky. It's very good. It's also all one story. That's how good the story is, is that this entire episode is a single story. A single story. It's that good. Listen, I feel like we should leave it there because I don't need to overhype it. Just like come on this journey with us, hug a stuffed animal, hug a a pet, you know, hug a friend, and we're here for you. I'm almost apologetic that this came out after Halloween, but you're welcome that it exists in your life now. I know. It came hot into the inbox and we had to do it, frankly. Truly. Well, it's spooky season all year round for us. And you know why, Julia? Because I didn't even stop to let you guess, because we know we've been excited about this for months. The Spirits Tarot deck is here. I just I have to say it. I have to say it. It's here. It's oh, here. Oh, God, it's so good. Zoe Polando Ryder illustrated the 22 major arcana cards for us. They are gorgeous. They come in a gorgeous box. They are full illustrated. There is a prominent Mothman's butt. The three of us are the fool. Guys, if you know anything about tarot, you are going to love this. And I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. They are in limited quantities okay we had it we did like a it's a limited printing if we can reprint them again one day and they sell out we we will try to but things in the world are taking a long time right now as you may have read so if you feel like oh my god it's a spirits tarot deck i need to have it you gotta check it out spiritspodcast.com slash merch pick it up seriously zoe did such an incredible job and i am super proud that we were finally able to make this thanks to in part our incredible patrons Thanks to our patrons. It was a goal for a number of patrons that we got over on the Patreon and they made it happen and then we made it happen. So thank you to every single one of you who is a patron, particularly our newest patrons, Almighty Neptune, Bailey, Kristen, Ulala, and Alice. You join the ranks of our supporting producer level patrons, Alicia, Brian, Deborah, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, Jessica Stewart, Nieselkins, Megan Moon, Phil Fresh, Captain Jonathan, Malachi, Cosmos, Sarah, Scott, Theo, and Zazie, and the legend level patrons, Audra, Clara, Drew, J. Bay Bay, Lexus, Mary, Morgan, Morgan H., Mother of Vikings, Sarah Taylor, and BM Scotty. I hope next time you do a tarot reading that it is all that you hope for and they're not too mean to you because sometimes those cards can be very mean to you. And guys, Julia assigned one of the creatures from mythology or folklore that we have covered to each of those major arcana. They're so beautiful. Oh God, I love them so much. I have a strong love for the tower card. I think Zoe did exactly what I had in my brain when I pictured it and crushed it. Go for it. We have some previews up on the Instagram. We're at Spirits Podcast. And then spiritspodcast.com slash merch is where you can pick up those tarot cards. And Julia, in between just being hyped about our tarot cards and celebrating Halloween, what have you been reading, watching, or listening to? So I just finished a book recently called Down Comes the Night by Allison Saft. And it really kind of itched my desire for a gothic mystery with a little bit of magic mixed in highly recommend it's got a great enemies to lovers plot line as well so it's delicious just check it out it's really good there's a lot of redemption arcs and whatnot and i think it's delightful and that actually reminds me julia the word gothic applies to basketball which is why i'd love to recommend to you that if you've never listened to the multitude podcast horse it's a great time to start this is a podcast about all the ridiculous stories and drama and redemption arcs and enemies to friends storylines that you could possibly imagine. Just search for Horse in your podcast app or go to horsehoops.com. But this is hosted by our friends Adam Mamawala and Mike Schubert, and they just feel very passionate that basketball is amazing and everyone should know about it. I want to hear more gothic fantasy novels that also have basketball in them, personally. I know. Me too. Mm, So good. Well, everybody, take a deep breath, get yourself somewhere cozy, and enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 256, the spookiest story we've ever told. Guys, I am very excited. Tomorrow is the big day. Back post-COVID, the Lakewood Spooky Pooch Parade. (gasps) Very excited. Henry and Herbie are going to be a UPS delivery man and a postal worker. Oh my God. If you want to see pictures, since this episode is obviously coming out after the fact, after the the actual parade, you can head over to our Patreon and they'll be there in in our bonus stuff. So check that out. Very, very excited. So, I mean, who doesn't love 
just love spooky dogs. I mean, they're just, the, they're simply the best thing. I think we could probably talk about them all day. I mean, like, I'm going to move to Ohio and get a dog just so I can dress it up and bring it to the spooky dog parade. That's incredibly adorable. And Eric, I'm really glad that you're giving us a kind of like wonderful aperitif, a real good like palate cleanser, opener, amuse-bouche. Cleanser? We've barely started, Amanda. <laughs> we have to cleanse from the day, man. The thing is, I have a really umami story right here. Ooh, I have a story ooh. that's savory. Mommy. I have a story with a lot of depth to it. I have a story centered on mushrooms mm. and it's a bit long. It's very worth it. And I just want to kind of dive right in. Go in. Go in, girl. Like a portobello mushroom burger. Like the mushroom's the thing. Like we got to just dive right in. That's the mm, meat yeah. of it in that vegan option that you've recommended here. Exactly, Julia. So this is titled The Shuddering of Creekside Mushrooms. What a great title. Yeah, I'm I'm in for sure. And I will tell you right up front, the shuddering is spelled like a person shuddering, but it also has to do with the closing of a business, like the shuddering with shutters with T's, like you're shuddering a window. Those are different words, but it's a it's a real play on words. Um I love it. This comes from Michael K. So Michael says, hey, all, I've been a fan for a few years now. And ever since the first Urban Legends episode, I knew there was a story I wanted to tell. However, I never had the motivation to write it down as it's pretty strange and doesn't quite make sense. But after a recent real life update, I knew I had to make time to write it all down. I love a real life update. Oh, yeah. Fair warning. This is a long story, but it has everything. Ghosts, weird fungi, corrupt local law enforcement, small orange cats. Trust me, stick around. That hit all my buttons. So this tale takes place just outside the small town of Worthington, Pennsylvania. They recently achieved mild notoriety when in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement, the owner of a gas station hot tub combo store bought a billboard and used it to display racial slurs to oncoming traffic. I'm sorry. This makes perfect sense as someone in the Midwest. (laughs) Yep. Eric, you've driven through Pennsylvania many times. Oh, of course. Too many times, some might say. I think it was the gas station hot tub that really threw me off. Yeah. Like the other stuff was par for the course, but gas station hot tub store... Okay. That's a real combo. Yeah. See, I think I think that is like a Midwest trope of just like two businesses that aren't related in one building. Mm. I used to go to a diner every Friday with my friend Tim at the local diner slash drive through car wash. Sure. Why not? I love that. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And you know what? Would it be surprised if that place also put a racial slur up on the side? <laughs> Whoops. Uh-oh. Michael continues, before that happened, Worthington had a more wholesome claim to fame. It was the home of the world's largest underground mushroom farm. (gasps) Oh, underground. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I'd love to ask you guys not to Google anything because at the end, we're going to Google a lot together. So just like come with me on this journey. You got it. Mm -hmm. Operating since 1937 in the bowels of an abandoned limestone quarry, Creekside Mushrooms once employed over a thousand workers around the clock to supply half the country's population with Moonlight brand white button mushrooms. Wow. That's a lot. And I invite you guys to Google right now, Moonlight white button mushrooms. It's packaging you'll definitely recognize from the supermarket. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know these mushrooms well. You're just like, oh, yeah. You know, the button mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Creekside ceased commercial production in the late 2000s, maybe five or six years before I joined the company that owned it. The official story is they couldn't compete with Modern Mushroom Farm, shout out to Kennett Square, after a mysterious mushroom virus began infecting their crops. Uh-oh. And guys, when I first read this email, I just want to pull out of the story for a second and tell you, I thought this was a short story Michael had written, and I was like, you know what? This short story is so good, I'm going to air it on the podcast. And then I did some fact-checking, and it happened. So the Avengers movie filmed some underground chase scenes in this mushroom farm after they closed like it's a real place that's wild i know it felt like the plot of a john darneal like midwestern horror novella so anyway just giving you that context i feel like we should send this to the mountain goats and see if they make a full album about it i feel like they would i mean moonlight mushroom farm is definitely the title of a feature mountain goats album 100 john consider it Michael continues, being that Creekside was comprised of 150 miles of tunnels layered three-dimensionally in a labyrinthine maze, they had no way of completely sanitizing the facility, and once the virus was introduced, they were never able to recover. A small portion of the upper mines was kept operational, so the spawn production plant could continue doing research on new strains and products. And I just want to emphasize for us here the phrase, spawn production plant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I'm getting big end of Resident Evil 7 vibes. Yeah. (laughs) Vibes. If the phrases mushroom virus, spawn production, or research on new strains make you uncomfortable, you might want to buckle up. 
because I know the real reason that Creekside shut down. Mm-mm. It's a story that few remaining farm workers rarely acknowledge, let alone talk about. And something you need to understand about the people in this area. They're the kind who, if they don't understand or like what you're saying, will exchange looks with each other and stare at you until you either change the subject or leave. I feel like we should be doing more of that just in general. Yeah, I feel like as New Yorkers, my my thing is going to be like, the fuck did you just say? Uh, Schneider, as a Midwesterner, how does this uh, strike you? Was this track? I yeah. I mean yeah. Just a, a a silent understanding that this person is is making a bad choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't until a colleague of mine had a few too many icy lights. Pause. What is that? <laughs> Probably like I feel like our version of a natty light. Yeah. Do you know this brand, Eric? I can't think of what that is. I I feel like I've seen them though, but I can't think what that exactly is. Iron City Light. Does that sound right? Yes, it looks like Iron City Light. I'm just looking at beverages to you. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've seen this as well. It's a Pittsburgh Jenny Light. It's a Pittsburgh ah. Natty Light. Hmm. Oh, okay. Sense. Fun. Pennsylvania has very weird alcohol laws. So a lot of their alcohol made in state doesn't get out of state. Yingling didn't get out of Pennsylvania or be- didn't go west for, long for like decades. Like in my oh, really? lifetime, Yingling finally came into Ohio. You used to have to drive across the border to get it. <laughs> That's wild. And then you couldn't buy it. at. You had to like buy it in a bar. Like you could go to a bar and get like a 12 pack. But you like because they have very weird liquor laws in Pennsylvania. Like you couldn't just like go into like a beer and wine sort. <gasps> wow. It's a whole weird thing going on in Pennsylvania. Weird. This is already spawning. <laughs> so many good tangents. Okay. All right. Well, it wasn't until a colleague of mine had a few too many icy lights at a holiday party years after I joined that I finally learned the truth. You see, the company that owned Creekside had a smaller, more niche branch called the Bioproducts Division, which worked with any and every fungus that wasn't button mushrooms. Here's the thing. This is just the lead into a science fiction horror. Like, I feel like we're just playing with fire, kind of like Deep Blue Sea. Is that the name of the movie with the sharks where, what's his face? That's the name of a movie. I think it might have sharks. <laughs> I'm just making sure it's it's the one that I'm thinking of. But no, this is very like pre-credits opening of a Marvel movie where it zooms in on like a plate on the doorway that says like bioproducts division and then zooms out as you see a disaster unfolding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is basically the plot of Deep Blue Sea but with mushrooms where it's like we as scientists are going to fuck with a thing that we know is probably dangerous just to see what happens. I know there is a point to the deep blue sea. They're trying to cure Alzheimer's or something like that by making sharks incredibly smart. That seems like a great idea. Anyway. And people do legitimate biomedical research. But this as depicted in movies, I'm just like watching a horror movie unfold in my mind. 100%. The two big projects that the bioproducts division were working on were red yeast rice and blasé, which are FDA approved health foods. Hmm. But for a time, they also dabbled in fungal insecticides. Love to dabble. I know. Love to dabble. Love love, a little dabbling. Love dabbling in insecticides. Spores that, when sprayed on corn and soybean seeds before planting, infest and zombify any insects that try to feast on the nascent crops. That's a real thing. You can Google pictures if you want an extra nightmare or two. If not, just imagine an army of dead bugs covered in bright green mold. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometime in the late 90s, Bioproducts tasked Creekside with processing a new strain of killer spores called metarhesium. The stuff was highly effective, but awful to work with. A whole tunnel in the upper mines was portioned off just to handle it because the smell was so strong that anyone who worked with it developed migraines that could last for weeks. Trust me, I've smelled it before and it sucks. Everyone hated it, and so the task was usually assigned to new hires when it came around. (laughs) One day in the summer of 2007, one of the new hires up and vanished in the middle of her shift. Oh, boy. The only description I got of her was she was from out of town, kind of short, and had a shock of bright red hair. By the end of the day, her car was still in the parking lot, but no one had seen her for hours. The foreman tried writing her off as a deserter, but all of the workers who last saw her swore they saw her head deeper into the mines, not up and out. Oh, boy. I'm just like sitting here like, you know, workers deserve proper treatment and good rights and stuff like that. The fact that worker desertion is a thing that the foreman is like, oh, yeah, one of those. Like, probably you should change some policies. That's my takeaway. Mm-hmm. Her car's still there. She yeah. clearly didn't desert, my guy. The farm was closed for less than a day while the local police looked for her. That's not it was long enough. Plain to everyone that they could have only searched a fraction of the mines in that time. Remember, 150 plus miles of tunnels. And yet their conclusion was, ah, she must have gone above ground and left without anyone noticing. The next day, when the farm reopened, her car was gone from the parking lot. She apparently hadn't registered an emergency contact with HR, so the company washed their hands of it. At least they tried to. 
Did the company tow the car? That's my guess. Oh my gosh. Cover up. Well, a couple of weeks later, all of upper management vanished for a few days without telling anyone where they were going. Hey, what? <laughs> not a good vanish, a, uh, a corporate offsite uh, vanish. But like still, not good. I know. And when they came back, they had two major announcements. First, Bioproducts was no longer going to work with metaresium or any insecticide. <laughs> oh, no. And secondly, they had all gained the third sight. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Second, Creekside was to cease production by the end of the year. My colleague was convinced that these things were related. Probably at that point, sure. He said that the owners of the company, who were coal and oil barons that also happened to own half of the profitable businesses in the Tri-County area, Pennsylvania, allegedly had very close ties to both the police and the local news. If anyone could make a story vanish, it was them. Hence, farm workers' eerie silence on the topic. Oh, boy. I, however, was less convinced. Everything had a perfectly rational explanation, right? Maybe the girl developed a headache and went to leave only to realize, I don't know, her car was dead. She then called someone to pick her up, decided to quit, and had the car towed without saying anything to anyone. Besides, Bioproducts was never really profitable and changed products all the time. And in all honesty, Creekside was a 70-year-old facility that was kind of falling apart. It probably wasn't worth the effort or expense of dragging it into the 21st century. So a little bit about me and how I fit into all of this. I was hired in 2013 as a research assistant for the company's mushroom breeding program. <laughs> That's a very cool job. That's it a is very a very cool, cool job, job. But in the context of this story, very bad for you. Also, this happening six years after the disappearance is like exactly the right amount of time for somebody to be to be like, you know, the company thought that they were doing it all. And now, you know, someone looks back at recent history and is like, wait, my job was almost exclusively above ground. Just a great phrase. Exclusively. Creating new crosses based on genetic and morphometric data. While what remained active at Creekside, rebranded as the trial farm I mentioned earlier, actually grew the crops that we evaluated. It wasn't bad for a first gig right out of college. After a couple of years, I was assigned the seemingly innocuous task of driving the 20 minutes from the lab to the trial farm to photograph our new strains once a week. Being an asocial person, Julia shaking her head, I preferred going down when no one else was milling about, which meant either showing up at 5 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon. No, bad. You need witnesses when the mushrooms eat you or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like just prime for just a variety of different horror tropes to begin. So good, though. So quality. Really quickly want to pause because I guess I never thought about how like commercially grown mushrooms are grown commercially. Yeah, right. And the fact that they convert former mines into basically mushroom farms is fascinating. It makes total sense. As you can imagine, it was almost exclusively the latter. I'd usually show up at three in the afternoon, not five in the morning. <laughs> sure. This routine continued for a couple more years without issue. Then on a Saturday evening in late January of 2017, I received a text from my boss. According to a sensor that he could monitor remotely from his phone, the CO2 levels in one of the trial farm's grow rooms were through the roof. Don't go in there. If, quote, someone didn't go down and reset the climate control mechanism, the crop would be ruined, and we'd have to wait months to regrow the material and try again. Someone, of course, was me. It's CO2. You can't just send a person down there. So many red flags here. Your boss texting you. Never good. Someone being sent down to do this. Oh my god, the research will be ruined. My guy, it's a few months of stuff. That's not worth an employee's life. And I saw a tweet earlier today that was like, yeah, you know, work is different post-pandemic because, you know, before you didn't necessarily know that, like, your boss would rather kill you than, like, deal with an inconvenience. And sometimes that's true. Red flag. <laughs> yep. It was still early in the evening when I left, and I remember that the sky wasn't quite pitch black yet, but was getting there. I told my wife I should be back in less than an hour, assuming the CO2 sensor was the only thing that was acting up. Again, assuming it was the sensor and not the fucking environment here. Not actual CO2. Not safe. Call fire rescue. Oh, my God. Call someone who has gas masks and stuff. Maybe I will be proven wrong, but I'd like to imagine they have some kind of suit they will be wearing you with, like, an oxygen hope, supply. Right? So, like, if it turns out that they're just walking in there with jeans and a t-shirt, I am far more concerned. But I have to I have to assume that this boss is act asking them to do something ludicrously dangerous. I wouldn't be shocked if that is the case. But I do want to say, like, there is a pretty good chance that they're going to be like, I put on my suit in the next paragraph. I, I appreciate your optimism when it comes <laughs> to these working conditions. But it is literally in a mine. And if we know anything from mines... Even if it's not like this person is a miner going into that mine, mines are fucking dangerous, dude. 
Undeniably. I'm not saying that any of this is good. I'm just saying I think it might be a little bit better than we are. We I don't are know saying. about that. Just a, just a, just a, just a touch. Just I a don't think we'd it. be hearing about it if it was better than we think it is. I want to remind everybody that Michael makes it out. Uh, Michael is here now writing this email. Everything is fine. Um, however, Eric, uh, sorry to tell you, not the case. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. <laughs> All right. So Michael continues, I told my wife she'd be back in less than an hour. Cell service was patchy even before you got to the front gate. And once you were underground, no service at all. Of course. 25 minutes later, I was parked in front of the old delivery dock, which now served as a makeshift base of operations for the farm skeleton crew. The surrounding buildings, former cafeterias. Oh, no, there's skeletons <laughs> I know, I know. I was going to make a joke, but I resisted. <laughs> surrounding buildings, former cafeterias, and storage warehouses and repair bays built into the side of the mine's opening were all boarded up and crumbling like a generic apocalyptic survival game. They'd apparently been in disrepair for years even before the shutdown, which at this point was 10 years ago. So if you knew anything about the owners, that wouldn't surprise you, by the way. Mm-hmm. I headed in through the only good door left on the building, which was amusingly enough still kept locked when no one else was inside. <laughs> I fished the key out of a nearby bush and went in. <laughs> no! Oh, Okay, now that I have this information that there's a key just stored on a bush, there's definitely not a suit. Yep. If I knew about the key in the bush, I definitely would have suggested that there could be some safety precautions being taken. Yeah, if it was like I swiped my security card or used my key fob to get into the building, that's one thing. I fished a key out of a bush. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. of yeah. course, I put on my CO2 monitor. I put on my emergency air tank, you know. I grabbed my little canary in his little cage exactly. before going down. Yeah, bungee corded myself to a safety harness. Yeah. The lights flickered and hummed to life a minute or so after I turned them on. A minute or so? I was used to being there alone, but since I rarely came at night, there was an extra air of foreboding. It was a lot like walking through the halls of your high school at night after a late band practice. All of us nod. Yes, we know what that means. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Only most of the walls were marked with a bright red X that indicated you might get electrocuted if you touched them. Cool. This seems like a great work environment. It didn't help that there was no climate control at all, except the heating kept to a bare minimum to keep the few remaining intact pipes from freezing. Sure. Something soft bumped my leg as I made my way to the golf carts at the mouth of the mines. It's the cat. It's the cat. They mentioned the cat in the intro. Yes. It's the cat. Everything's fine. It's a cat. <laughs> I looked down to see a small orange cat sporting a dirty blue collar decorated with cartoonish mushrooms. Baby. Hey, Moonlight, I said to the cat, <gasps> named in honor of the defunct brand. I'm so good. She meowed gently as I scratched behind her ear. Moonlight had been an employee of the farm since before I was hired, and she seemed to survive solely by hunting vermin in the dark recesses of the abandoned buildings. This is good. This is correct. The keys were still in the ignition of the only good golf cart left. <laughs> a mining helmet armed with a dim headlamp was already sitting in the passenger seat. No suit, though. No suit. I've been thinking about the suit. <laughs> okay, tell me more. Tell me more. It is possible that they have to reset this thing in an area where it's not the CO2 issue. It could be like the whole facility is a flooded with CO2. It could be the area with the mushrooms is having an issue. I'm just, I'm just, look, they make it out. Obviously it's all right. I'm just saying. <laughs> Michael's fine. Michael's fine. Maybe, maybe it's not as bad as we're saying. I hope the cat's okay. This is my chief concern at this point. Yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, it, it's like a fire alarm, right? We're like, when you do fire drills and when you do fire alarm testing, it's like, hey, this is annoying, but we're all going to act like there's a fire. Yeah. Or if the alarm goes off and you're not sure of the source, you act like it's the worst case scenario. And I'm sure there are OSHA laws and safety experts out there who are like slamming their heads against their steering wheels as they drive <laughs> oh, to work. Sure. Like, no, you bring a monitor. Michael put on the mining helmet, powered on the cart and drove down the ramp onto the upper mine level. The dock's metal roof was giving way to natural limestone ceiling as he descended in further. Moonlight the cat stood at the top of the ramp watching me go. I'd never seen her go down into the mines, and even though it was a balmy 65 degrees down there year-round, she didn't follow me this time either. The next few minutes were pretty routine. I parked the cart outside the offending metal shed that served as a makeshift grow room, powered the lights on, and was greeted by a perfectly normal-looking crop of mushrooms. It turns out that the CO2 levels were in fact fine. It was the sensor that had malfunctioned, not the climate control. This was all pretty typical. I made a note to text my boss once I got cell service and thought to myself, man, at least my car will still be warm. I can get out of here now. I almost jumped out of my skin when something bumped my leg again. Stifling a scream, I aimed the headlamp down at my feet. It was moonlight. How did she get here so quickly when I drove down the ramp? She's a fast cat. Cat's fast. I didn't really have much time to think about it because the little orange cat was pacing around me frantically. As soon as she realized she had my attention, she darted toward the main road that led to the lower mines. Once she moved out of the headlamp's light, she started meowing incessantly. 
Now, I'm not an idiot, guys. Good. I could practically hear the opening narration for half a dozen true crime podcasts playing in the background as I decided what to do. Michael descended down into the mines. What he didn't know was that he wasn't going to come back up. (laughs) (laughs) Plink, 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 plink. (laughs) Following a cat into a partially abandoned limestone quarry was objectively a bad idea. However, the only other time I'd seen cats act like this was when they were trying to lead people to a new litter of kittens. (gasps) Now, I'd seen Moonlight a lot and she'd never seen pregnant, but I'm a mushroom breeder and not a vet. So what do I know? (laughs) There could be some kittens in there that really need help. The primordial pouch could just be babies. That's my favorite line from from all those classic Star Trek episodes. I'm a mushroom breeder, Kirk, not a vet. (laughs) (laughs) Now, guys, I'm going to continue the story. We're only halfway through. But first, I'm going to need a second drink. Do you want to come get a refill? Let's get a refill. Yes, definitely. Julia, we are taking a break here. We're we're here in the mid-roll in the refill. We're hanging out. And frankly, I could stay here all day because I am wearing Brooklyn and loungewear and Mm. there's nowhere else I want to be. There's no other kinds of clothes I want to be in. And it is really, really nice to know that when I get home, I'm not going to want to like rip off uncomfortable clothes or undo a button or a zipper as quick as possible because Brooklyn and loungewear has no buttons or zippers. And I love that for them and me so much. Honestly, yes, their stuff is so, so comfy. I wear Brooklyn and tanks under my tunics. I wear Brooklyn and t-shirts with jeans. They are stylish. They are cute. You can mix and match. You're going to feel comfy all day long. I promise you. They have not only, of course, ultra comfy loungewear, but they also now have bundled deals on their loungewear so you can get more comfort for less money. There's a reason they have over 75,000 five-star reviews and counting. Mine is one of them. Absolutely could not recommend them anymore. I have three of their olive green lounge t-shirt because I wear it pretty much every other day. I'm literally literally wearing one right now. So go ahead and get comfortable and get it for less at Brooklinen. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code SPIRITS to get $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code SPIRITS for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. Once more, that's brooklinen.com, promo code SPIRITS. Amanda, I was at a wedding a couple weeks ago and we were in a Airbnb with a bunch of folks in the mountains and no one knew the town and no one knew where we could get food from, but everyone wanted pizza real bad after we went to the rehearsal dinner. And you know what, Amanda? DoorDash delivered. DoorDash put it right to our door on a mountain. And that is what DoorDash does. They connect you with restaurants you love right now and right to your door wherever you are. You can also now get grocery essentials you need with DoorDash. True story, I was visiting my my grandma recently and she is kind of, you know, trying to drive a little bit less as the roads get kind of icy and it gets frosty in the morning. And I was like, Grandma, DoorDash could bring you a single Gatorade. Like if you woke up and you wanted a Gatorade, if you needed to, could get it delivered to you. And she was like, a a single Gatorade? I was like, yes, Jamie, a single Gatorade. And DoorDash can help you with getting those grocery essentials, other household items, or of course, food from restaurants nearby. And for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code CREEPYCOOL. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code CREEPYCOOL. Don't forget, that's code CREEPYCOOL for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. So as anyone who follows my Instagram knows, I got real into embroidery during the pandemic. And one of the best classes that I've ever taken, besides like the fact that like, oh, you know, I looked at some stuff, I kind of figured stuff out for myself. But at one point I was like, I need to like actually up my game. And of course, when I decided that I needed to learn actual skills, I went to Skillshare and I took an incredible, incredible class called Painting with Thread, Modern Embroidery for Beginners with Danielle. Clow and oh my goodness did I just kind of feel both super creatively charged and also like in awe of the stuff that she was creating and then that I got to learn to create as well and it's not just embroidery on Skillshare you can take classes in illustration design photography productivity and more and with their short classes you can move your creative journey forward like I did when I recently took that class and you can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com spirits and our listeners get a one month free trial of premium membership so that's one month month for free at skillshare.com slash spirits. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. And now, let's get back to the show. Guys, we're going to get right back into Michael's story, don't worry. But first, we are going to let you know what we're drinking. And I wanted to thank a wild squirtle, a listener of both Join the Party and Spirits, who mailed us Witch's Brew, <gasps> which is a wonderful mulled wine. So it is mulled wine, like in a bottle, and then you heat it up and you drink it hot from the absolutely wonderful Lilanau Cellars. Um, so thank you so much for sending it to us. I put the sticker that the wine came with on my water bottle. Ooh. So now my water bottle says Witch's Brew. It's very tasty. Thank you. I feel like I need to brand all of my drinking utensils is that correct drinking uh apparatus apparatus witches brew because it's just yeah. correct it is so good i'm sorry there's only one sticker but maybe we can uh we can get more with more orders in the future that's all right. The last time I had a mold wine was when we had that going away party for our mutual friend Kristen in the park during COVID. Oh yeah, about a year ago I bet. That was yeah, that was wonderful. Delicious so tasty. but also perfect for a cooler day. And it is delicious. Thank you, Squirtle. And uh, thank you, Mold Wine. Thank you, Mold Wine. All right. So Michael is standing in the makeshift shed, listening to Moonlight's meows, wondering what to do. All right. He writes, the animal lover in me won the argument. I checked the battery levels on my cell phone and headlamp, which were both good enough for a small excursion. As soon as I moved toward her, Moonlight slinked off into the darkness. I followed on foot, afraid that the golf cart might spook her if I tried to follow. Some combination of adrenaline and the monotony of the endless caverns made me kind of disassociate from the concept of time. So I have no idea how long I followed her, how many blocked off or caved in side tunnels we passed as we traveled ever deeper through the bones of the earth. I do like that he's like, I'm ready for a small excursion in the endless mines. Yeah. Hey, maybe be ready for a very large excursion if you're going to describe the mines as endless. You can probably do 10 miles at the most, Michael. This is fully Jeff Andermere's annihilation. Like we are fully like needing to have breadcrumb trails behind us, needing to have a piece of string. Like we're in like house of leaves here. This is Ooh, this boy. is getting bad. Michael describes the old mining paths were a lot like a vascular system with one wide artery at the top that branched exponentially into smaller capillaries. I hate that. The whole time moonlight danced in and out of the bobbing beam of my headlamp, her cries periodically piercing the relative quiet of the caves. <laughs> Abruptly, Moonlight dashed into a narrow chasm barely wide enough to walk through, and I nearly followed her before realizing my almost mistake. Uh -oh. Until now, I had been confident that I could find my way back out, but with this departure from the main road, I could easily get lost. I considered turning around then and there, but Moonlight was now crying constantly. We had to be close. Oh no. Thinking quickly, I detached the headlamp from my helmet and laid it on the ground, aimed at the entrance of the passage to mark the way back. That's smart. I then turned my phone's flashlight on before proceeding. Very smart, very smart. You get your horror movie points back, Michael. We see you not making bad choices. Proud of you. I was going to be like, do you have like a thing of Reese's Pieces in your pocket so that you exactly. can leave a trail for yourself? Unspool your sweater. Yeah, like thread by thread. So at this point, I hadn't noticed anything odd about the smell of the mines. Oh. It was the usual mixture of damp limestone and stale dirt, not entirely unlike an old cellar if you've ever been into one of those. But now that was being replaced by a new odor. It was sharp, earthy, with the faintest hint of sickly sweet decay. It wasn't putrid like bad garbage or rotting meat. It was only barely familiar, and my eyes started to water slightly at the same time. It's the mushrooms. It's the mushrooms that they discontinued. <gasps> I was about to be like, did he find the dead body, but he said it wasn't rotting. Right, that's familiar. Michael has smelled this insecticide. It's all mm -hmm. coming together. Do you mm -hmm. see why I thought this was a short story? I was like, oh, surely this is just fake. But no, oh, this is so good. This is great. Moonlight suddenly rounded a sharp corner and vanished from sight. I followed, and as I adjusted the angle of the light, I nearly tripped over something hard and metallic with a loud thrum that echoed all around me as my foot connected. Flailing wildly to keep from falling, I scanned the ground in front of me to see what I'd hit. I figured it was an old piece of mining equipment or something. It wasn't. As my brain scrambled to process what I was seeing in those moments after entering the chasm, I'm sure I realized that Moonlight was nowhere to be seen. She'd stopped meowing entirely, and so now my ears rang with the silence. But she was the least of my concerns now. What the fuck, Moonlight? Where'd you go? The thing I had tripped over was a canoe. Oh, what? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> There's 
an underground river down here. People have been disappearing from the town. A canoe? If I had to guess the things. I think that is the least expected, the least expected mode of transportation (laughs) that could have been said in this moment. If Michael would have said a body, I'd be like, Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Who would have guessed, but still. I was standing on the shore of an underground lake hundreds of feet in diameter, much farther than I could see. What the fuck? The waterline was mere inches from my shoes. At least I think it was. It was kind of hard to tell because every surface in the whole cavern was covered in a thick layer of bright green mold. Get the fuck out of there. That, of course, is why I recognize the smell. A pressure built behind my eyes foretelling the coming of a headache but I couldn't move because there was also something floating in the middle of the lake. Yes. A genetic shark. The sharks are back. I know those are part of Julia's movie reference, but I think the sharks are back. Jesus Christ. The mold was so thick that it blanketed the fine details of whatever object was floating there. But I could tell even from 30 feet away that it was kind of human proportions. (gasps) As I started to see what it was, The utter noiselessness of the room I was in triggered my tinnitus, and my ears began to ring. Oh boy, here we go. The ringing grew louder the longer I stared, but I was absolutely transfixed. I was moving my flashlight around, trying to hit a more revealing angle, but it was no use. I held my breath to steady my shaking arm and could now hear my own heartbeat through the buzzing. It moved without warning. (gasps) No! This is a true story? You're telling me? So this is what happens next. So (laughs) Michael remembers the thing moving. The water kind of rippled. It was like there was a kind of fog of spores in the air. And then the next memory he has is looking out the windshield of his car on the highway back to his house. What the fuck? Yeah, great. Hey, Mike, do not come within 500 feet of me. (laughs) What happened to the cat? You have been infected with some kind of eldritch evil. Oh, no. Or some terrible Resident Evil pathogen. I love you, but you can't. You can't do it. Can't come to the live shows. Can't do any of that. I don't need you anywhere. I'll trust you, man. I do not trust you. I'm sorry. So listen, you know, I can completely understand how, particularly with tinnitus, if you walk from a very small tunnel into a very large room, pressure differences, optical illusion, you know, like stuff is hard to see. The pressure changes. I could see like a a migraine is building. I understand lots of reasons why, you know, this could or couldn't be fictional. This could or couldn't, you know, have appeared how he narrates it to us. I don't care. I'm along for the ride. I'm giving Michael the benefit of the doubt. Fuck me. I now feel like this happened to me. This this writing is so good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is this the end of the story? There's a little bit more. Okay. Again, Michael says that he his next memory is staring out the windshield of his car, physically driving on the highway back to his house. What the fuck? Yeah. He was drenched in sweat, shivering because it was cold. The back of his eyes were like itching and tight with pressure and has no memory of anything in between those two things. Is like, I don't know how I got back out. I don't know if I locked the door. Who knows? By the time he got home, he'd been gone for two hours. And he says, my wife forgave my absence once I told her what happened. Ever the pragmatist, her first questions were about what I did with the headlamp and the golf cart. (laughs) Of course, she, she didn't really care, but she had correctly guessed that my boss would be at least a little bit curious, if not like mad at me for leaving a cart down there. Report the situation, Michael. Well, we both agreed I couldn't tell anyone at work the story without sounding um, like I was making it up. What? So I came up with a convincing partial truth to share with the lab on Monday. I went down to the grow room to check on it, I would say. Thought I smelled mold, went exploring, lost my headlamp, and by the time I got back to the golf cart, it refused to start. And I was so flustered that I left without locking the door. I thought this was a believable story, so I went with it. That's also assuming that you didn't grab the headlamp or take the golf cart out. You can't remember that period of time. You might have done both of those things. Yes. I thought this was a believable story. I told my boss. He was understanding and joked that he'd have one of the workers go find the headlamp so I didn't need to buy the company a new one. Jesus fucking Christ. I spent the rest of the week figuring out how I was going to get out of ever taking pictures and going to the mine again. Turns out, I didn't have to worry about that. My boss took an unannounced leave of absence at the end of that week. (laughs) Why does this keep happening? (laughs) No one knew where he went, not even his secretary. The following Monday, I was greeted with an email stating that the owners were selling the company and that effective immediately, Creekside was being condemned over, quote, safety concerns. So they 100%, the guy who he sent down there to get the shit, 100% 
found the body that was in the middle of the lake, right? Like, we're all in agreement here? We're all in agreement here. Well, or the body found him. Right. (laughs) I just gave Eric such a look where it's like, (laughs) God damn you, sir. Listen, if everyone's getting paid off, I'm sorry Michael didn't get paid off, but, you know, here we are. You have to remember those weird fugue states that you go into, otherwise they won't pay you the big bucks. But, I mean, imagine, like, if Michael had a body cam, I mean, Michael would have been disappeared, too. So we're we're glad Michael's okay. Mm -hmm. The trial farm was going to be relocated to a more modern building, recently vacated ever since the bioproducts department got their own facility closer to Pittsburgh. I could walk to the new farm from the lab, which was really nice. Okay. Amid the chaos of the sale and relocation, I all but forgot my final day in Creekside as I had the story of the missing woman. And being a progressive socialist in the heart of Trump country, I was kind of disinclined to talk to many of the remaining colleagues behind, you know, exchanging polite greetings for the last few years of time. Even that seemed like it was kind of asking too much sometimes because I felt that the crew's attitude toward me had grown kind of icy, but I attributed it to that one time I wore a pride shirt around them and thought, fair enough. That'll do it. This brings us to a couple weeks ago. Very quickly before we go to a couple weeks ago. I just love our listeners. I love our listeners The too. demographic of our listeners. Mwah, chef's kiss. Very good. I love you guys. Very good. So this all brings us to a couple weeks ago in August of 2021. This is my real life update. What happened now? What happened now, Michael? Why is there an update? He said there was a real life update at the beginning, but I thought that the story was the real life update. I know. I forgot. I was too enthralled with the situation. So thanks to the quote unquote labor shortage, um, (laughs) asterisk, um, employers can't keep just fucking like not paying people enough and and, like putting them in dangerous situations. That's it's not a labor shortage. Anyway, I was asked to spend a day at the new trial farm helping out. The worst part was running out of things to talk about with the crews there after about five minutes. Mm -hmm. Time had tempered my feelings and memories somewhat about that night, and I was left with a question that I'd never gotten an answer to. I decided that now that I was there, it was a good a time as any to ask. Hey, I asked the room, whatever happened to Moonlight? I was met with an all-too-familiar wall of blank stares and very pointed shared glances. I'm sorry, if I was in a room where everyone's giving each other, like, knowing looks, I'd be like, all right, now you fuckers have to tell me. You can't just, like, look at each other and be like, oh, Moonlight. Well, what went through Michael's head was, um, I remembered that I named that cat and then never really, like, said its name to anyone else, so I pressed the question. You know, like the little cat that was in Creekside. Does anyone know what had happened to her? One of the women spoke up after what felt like an eternity. Her response cracked the dam on a deluge of memories I tried for so long to keep backed up. They washed over me, filling in the gaps to a story that I was kind of unprepared to see. Oh, no. Both times Creekside was shut down, first partially and then completely, it had been precipitated by unexplained events occurring deep underground involving those spores. Was the reason the farm crew became cold toward me the same reason they never talked about that missing woman? What were the owners so afraid of down there? What were they trying to hide? If we're lucky, the world may never know. Because my coworker said to me in a blunt and tired tone, What cat? (gasps) Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) I just want to cry now after the story. Are we uncovering a decades-long conspiracy? Are we reading a good creepypasta? I don't care. Honestly, fully believe this because capitalism is a a scourge upon society. And also definitely could just be the beginning of our own zombie apocalypse. Yes. Because God knows... That stuff was basically for treating stuff and turning insects into zombies. Who knows if it went beyond insect biology. And such a history of Pennsylvania and Appalachia being completely run bare, you know, by like mining companies and other extractive capitalism and leaving behind like extremely unsafe Mines, like underground tunnels we've talked about on the show before, all kinds of health concerns. Pennsylvania, a hole will open up anywhere in Pennsylvania at any moment. That is sinkhole country over there. Yeah. It's just like, you'll just be walking along and whoop, now you're in a hole. Yeah. I thought you meant like a hell hole, like an entrance, a portal to hell. I mean, maybe. One of them's got to have one of them in there. This could have been that. Yeah. So like, I mean, so many like very well documented abuses of like workers and land and power that is like tied in with this. My God. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I love this story. It has lots of different vibes. I mean, for me, it has big Resident Evil vibes because I recently played a few of those games. But like, I mean, everything about it is just 
so good. I mean, the only thing this was missing is like that instead of a canoe, you like trip over like an M70 assault shotgun and just have to start <laughs> fighting. Like That's the only difference between this and the start of a Resident Evil game as far as I'm concerned. Who brought the canoe down there, though? Yeah, that's a good question. Who brought the canoe? Because like if there weren't lights, maybe, presumably... I think people were sacrificing something to that thing in the lake Mm -hmm. and they had to take a canoe out there and and do something. I think that the thing in the middle of the lake was the body of the woman that went missing who got like ultra infected. And so by putting her in the middle of the lake, they could like stop her from spreading to the rest of society. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I hate it more than my made up bad idea. So let's not explore that anymore i can't decide what's better slash worse if this has a paranormal element or if this is like human beings inescapable cruelty and like desire to subjugate each other under capitalism you know yeah i mean i'm getting incredible obviously annihilation vibes of you know mold at like pathogen you know the like creep of mold and fungus and mushrooms and like the loneliness instead of an apocalyptic barren wasteland like nature reclaiming or human meddling in science like that always gets me and i think i would not have wanted to read this story personally or on the show earlier in the pandemic but at this point i've kind of like adjusted my reality enough that i'm like mm-hmm, yeah no like that makes sense like spores are the scariest version of a story 100 percent true also what what makes this story feel all the 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 spookier and and both believable or not believable depending on how you want to read it it's like the fact that like something happens and then like everybody disappears for a little bit and then they're like okay we're done here bye see you later like it's very much like sloppy cover-up but as we know most cover-ups are done quite sloppily Mm. like most cover-ups aren't very good because we learn about them yeah so i mean that rigs really 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 true yeah i love and hate the story for many, many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, this was a wild ride. This podcast is for entertainment and community. We can't independently verify any of these particular details. It's all alleged. I don't know. I feel like I should give some kind of legal disclaimer. Michael, we're so grateful that you wrote into us. This has been incredible entertainment for us and I think thought-provoking and interesting for our listeners. We're so glad you're well. Yeah, I'm glad you're not also a a mushroom zombie now. Yeah. Isn't that the plot of The Last of Us? Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty much the fungal. There's a fungal Fungal zombie that that gets everybody. Yeah. The plot of The Last of Us is much more about how terrible humans are than how terrible fungal monsters are. Sure, sure, sure. But I mean the the bad guys. Yes, yes. The the backing setting is, is fungal monsters. Gotcha. Cool. Also, there's a strong woman in it, which just simply is impossible. So that's why it's really (laughs) science fiction. Yes, clearly. Well, thank you again, Michael. We're glad you're okay. We're glad you're a conspirator. To kind of like give us a little palate cleanser and help transition us all back into the daily reality of our lived existence. I had a very sweet listener job email from Emily. Y'all want to hear that? Yeah, I love job listener emails. I know, amazing. So she writes, I was listening to an old hometown Urban Legends episode and thought of something interesting to share with you. I work for a glass wholesaler as a production artist, which means I am one of the people who make sure that the client's art prints well on the item that they pick. Like a little art gremlin, diligently working behind the (laughs) scenes to make sure everything turns out good. That's adorable. Now, it may not seem apparent why I would think to tell you about my job after listening to a hometowns episode. And to be fair, I haven't told you who our main clientele are. I work mostly for microbreweries and distilleries. Hell yeah! So when I heard the name of one of the breweries that I just did glass for come up in an episode, I had to laugh. That's so cool. Since then, it's become a little game for me during your show to listen for the name of the distillery or brewery and see if I recognize them. Oh, that makes me so happy. That's cool. So that's how I came to write in, and I'll just close out with a brief description of one of our more interesting processes and a question that you might have fun answering. Have you ever come across a glass with a design etched into the bottom of it? Sure. That is called nucleation, and it's laser etched into the glass by a machine. That's cool. Nucleation actually has two purposes. So the first is aesthetic. The second and less apparent one is bubble generation. The little grooves created by the process result in more surface area for CO2 bubbles to form off of. But too much detail makes the beverage go flat too quickly. Interesting. Isn't that cool? So like picture like doing like a letter, like a stamp on an envelope. Mm -hmm. But like if the stamp pushed the envelope up a little bit, like atomically, then if you have too many of them, there's too many bubbles and then they bubble up all over the place and then it goes flat. But if there's just enough, then it helps with the, the bubbling of the beverage. 
That's so cool. I always wondered why they like kind of engraved the like glass bottles at the bottom of beer bottles. That makes sense now. Yeah. And Emily continues, the other interesting thing about nucleation is that the lines of the design never cross over the same point twice. Doing so would create faults in the glass and result in breakage or flaws. That makes sense. And that is nucleation, which I think is one of the coolest processes that I do at my job. I love that like art has to meet math sometimes. Yeah. Where it's like, it's a really cool design, but you crossed over too many times and now the bottle's (laughs) going to break. And that brings me to my final question. If you had to come up with a brewery or distillery name, what would it be? I've come up with some wild ones at my job and want to hear what you come up with. Stay creepy and cool. Emily, the art gremlin. I always had this idea, and this was more for a cheese thing, but I feel like it also could apply to a brewery. I always liked the idea of like making the like SAT cheese company or the SAT brewery and all of the cheeses slash beers are named after like SAT words where it's like words you wouldn't use Mm. unless you were like studying for the SATs. And you can also displace the SEO for that like very corrupt private institution, you know, that like upholds racism in the US. Oh, yeah. I love that. I need to think for a second. Now, I I named Multitude. And so that was the the kind of like big project umbrella, you know, name that I had been ruminating on. It comes from a Walt Whitman poem, which is kind of the, the place that I looked to to draw inspiration. So I feel like I haven't thought of like a second one of those, but I'm going to think on it now. Mm-hmm. We went through a lot of stinkers before you settled on multitude too. Yeah, really did. Like hundreds and hundreds of names and word association and just like, uh, is this good? <laughs> it wasn't. None of them were no, good. No, none of them were good. Our late dog, Arnold. Yeah. I maybe name, name a beer after a brewery after him. He's pretty good. I mean, I feel like all our dog names are pretty, pretty Henry and Herb brewing yeah would be pretty good i think so i mean maybe something maybe something like that that would actually be really good i would buy a beer from that i mean you could call it like is there a a term of affection for boston terriers uh not hey dummy (laughs) hey dummy (laughs) well i was thinking like pit bulls people call them pitties you know or something like that but i mean i think people just call them bostons i don't think anyone i don't think there's there's a way to shorten it much more well, unfortunately for that particular breed of dog, I think that name is kind of taken up. But <laughs> yes. normally I would suggest like Boston Terrier Brewing Co. And then all your different lines, you know, and, and yeah. brews could be named after people's adorable dogs. Yeah. Well, I'm going to think on mine. And uh, conspirators, if you uh, if you want to tag us on, on Insta or on Twitter, share what you would name your brewery or distillery. And if you're an artist, that's amazing. Show us your logo. I'd love to see that. Yeah. If you're an artist, that's cool. We love that for you. <laughs> More like, I, I think it's so amazing when people can just like sketch out something awesome. I'm like, I don't have that skill at all. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with our minds successfully lifted out of Creekside, Are with Emily, the art gremlin's wonderful question. Uh, guys, be careful out there. Don't let your boss put you in a situation that might kill you. And remember, stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye.